0: in the summer of 2016 i was assigned to one of the line companies as one of their primary medics and i remember we were marching down to the showers and you got to have a shower maybe every three or four days or so which you know after a while you kind of forgot the smell and i remember we had changed and then and we didn't have any gear on it so i just had my uniform on me and all of our gear was back at the camp and i heard someone cry out medic real loud and i kind of looked around and i saw oh there were people over to my right you know about 300 meters down and so i hurried over there and there was a soldier who was exhausted Seemed like they might have been a heat casualty or something. And I remember sitting there, we loosened as much clothing as we could. And I passed that I kept thinking, oh, I don't have anything else to treat the soldier with. And I'm thinking maybe I can just run water over them in the showers, right? Until an ambulance gets here. So that way you can kind of control their core temperature enough so that they didn't overheat and die. And as I'm trying to think of something to buy a few seconds, a few minutes. Like magic. My friend Adam shows up. And his junior medic is a guy named Dustin. And Adam is to my right. And he's handing me IV bags. And Dustin, Dustin is to my left. He's getting the tube, the needles, everything ready. Adam's, you know, he's like, Lester, you got this. And then I got it. I got the stick and it worked. And I, and I helped the soldier. And apparently Adam and Dustin had been out with their unit nearby and heard the cry for Medic. And I just got to the Soldier first, but I didn't have any supplies. So those two, I am always forever grateful that they were there, that they heard the call, that they ran and helped me out that day. Cause I'm proud of the work I did that day, but I couldn't have done it without them. They were my superheroes that day. They appeared out of magic, out of nowhere. I needed help, and they were there. That's what being Doc was. (laughs) In the summer of 2019, I had one final uh, annual training with air quotes With the Indiana Army National Guard. In that I needed to do two more weeks to have a good year for my medical separation paperwork. It's all about like, you know, how many points do you have and all that. And also at the same time, I was getting ready to get married. Right, this would have been June of 2019. And the wedding was due in October of 2019. So... Uh, weddings can be stressful, full of anxiety and the idea of being able to go and leave for two weeks. Uh, oh man, that was awesome! I was like, "Yes, please!" That sounds amazing. <laughs> and, and so all I really did, because at this point I was, you know, on a full dead man profile, and I just had to show up and file paperwork at. Uh, a medical filing office for two weeks and it wasn't super intense. It was just like, Hey, alphabetize these medical records. These are the backup medical records. Everything else is like digitized at this point. It's busy work to justify you being there. And I would just kind of show up around eight o'clock, eight 30, nobody really cared. And then I'd leave about three o'clock and it was nice. It was, it was, I had a little barracks room. Yeah, with like cement walls, and I realized how much I changed when I was there for those two weeks, right? Because when I first joined the Indiana Army National Guard, when I would first joined that infantry unit, I was broke as a joke and half as funny. And so I'd go to the USO, and I'd swipe as much free toothpaste, toothbrush, deodorant, whatever as I could. I'd beg, borrow, and steal any MREs I can get my hands on. And I was feeling kind of nostalgic because this was going to be my last ride, right? This would be my last two weeks in uniform, my last time in uniform, really. And so I am like, oh, I'll do that again. And then when I got there, I was, you know, I was in the USO, So, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll see what toothpaste I can get. But then I'm like, you know, I've got money for toothpaste. And, and then I, I was like, "Ah, oh, I'll eat MREs. And I'm eating MREs. And then... I realized, oh, I'm kind of used to better food now because I wasn't broke anymore. And then I ate at the chow hall. And and there's so much, like, sodium and fat. And the food was just gross. And so I woke up in the middle of the night and just threw up in the bathroom. The food was so bad. And then I'm like, oh. Oh, that's right. You're not a kid anymore. (laughs) Like. So I just went to the the all ranks club on post and I ate there for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, practically. And then I'd go hang out at the filing place and file paperwork. And I go for walks in the evening, you know, I was just kind of taking it all in one last time. I ran into my old sergeant major there. And he was not happy to see me, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm walking in the barracks, and I hear this familiar voice say, Stop! And I stop, and I turn around, go to parade rest, and he goes, What's your name? And I was like, "Ah, it's uh, in Lester. He goes, What the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, I was told to sleep here. By who? Like, uh, post-housing sent me here, Sergeant Major. I'm not in your battalion anymore. Um, I got transferred. I'm in med hold because I'm getting medically discharged and he's like when's your final date? And I'm like, I don't know. They haven't told me yet. Good luck soldier. Thank you sergeant major, and I just left <laughs> That was his job as sergeant major you know is to yell at the knuckleheads and and I had been an knucklehead once or twice so uh, he recognized me <laughs> and Recognized me from behind. <laughs> oh, that's funny. There was this time when I was in his battalion that we were out in the field and then I came back to do laundry and the post laundry building that had all the different laundry services and it was full and it was gonna be full for hours. And I knew of this barracks that was unoccupied on the base and then i knew the back door was unlocked and i knew they had a washer and dryer that no one was using and so i went in there and then i just did my laundry and i took a nap on the couch and then uh i get a phone call and then my platoon sergeant's like hey why am i getting phone calls saying that you're in a barracks right now doing laundry and i was like oh don't worry about it i'm about to get out of here." So when the sergeant major saw me, I don't blame him for being upset and suspicious. <laughs> I ran into people I hadn't seen for years. I ran into the soldier that I put into an ambulance that I talked about in the previous episode. And they were a corporal when I ran into them. And it was so great to see them again. And I got to tell them how good of a job they were doing. And I'm like, hey, you're doing great, man. I'm so proud that you're a corporal now. Because last time I saw them, there in E-2. And I ran into an old, old platoon sergeant from 2013, 2014. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Because he was the platoon sergeant when I had first gotten to the infantry company. And I remember the first conversation I had with him was he was telling me that, Oh yeah, we just lost three or four medics to the Egypt deployment. So I'm glad we're getting some reinforcements. And I thought... Holy crap, you had four people die? You had that many casualties? And he's like, no, they just transferred out. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I was so wound tight back then. I remember, and this guy was my platoon sergeant, I thought we had a three-day drill. But it was a two-day drill. But I thought it was a three-day drill. And I remember I'm at the company, and no one's there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm either really, really early, or I'm so incredibly late because I kept thinking at this point, Oh my God, they've just packed up and left already. And then I call him and then he calls me back and I remember him saying, Hey, there hard charger, you know, you're a day early, right? (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) And he goes, Oh, well, you want me to like, put you on some orders so you can get paid for today. And I said, no, thank you. I'm just going to go back to my hotel and sleep and. In the story of my enlistment, they weren't major players, they are more like minor characters at the finale, right? It was like, I remember the, the last time I saluted an officer while walking in uniform, I was walking down from the all ranks club on base, back to my barracks room, and there was a butter bar, and he looked all of 23, maybe 24, and then I raised my hand and saluted and I said, Good morning, sir. And he returned the salute and said, Good morning, and kept on his way. It's strange how much that moment meant to me because I kept thinking, Oh, that's the last time I'll salute an officer. And it made me flash back to early days in my career when I was stationed at Fort Gordon in Georgia, and there was a comic book store on post, and it closed at about 8, 8.30, something like that. I'd get a hot dog at the hot dog stand nearby and just read comics outside and eat hot dogs for dinner because I was 22 and things were different then. And I remember this Butter Bar LT lady, who was always very kind to me, walking outside by the sort of shop at Mall area on the base and she met up with the staff sergeant guy. That I also knew. And he brought her flowers. And then she kissed him. Because they kind of looked around to see if anybody was around. And they couldn't really see me. And I was like oh hey they're a couple. That's great. <laughs> and they weren't in direct chain of command. But you know the officer and CO fraternization rules are kind of tight. So they kind of had to keep things quiet. And I wasn't going to say anything. And then my two weeks were up. It wasn't very eventful. It was, I mean, you know, it was a way to get an extra paycheck and a way to get out of the house. And it was kind of a chance for me to wrap up the Army and kind of say goodbye to everything. And Because I'd already, I'd long since transferred out of the infantry unit. And so they'd all gone off to do their own thing. And God bless them. And it was my chance to kind of put a bow on the experience while in uniform one last time i wasn't even a medic at that point my all my certifications had elapsed so i was just i was just a guy and you know i was happy to be just a guy and a few months after that i got this text message and i'm on a beach in south carolina and i'm walking with my then fiance, now wife And we're pretty close to the beach house we were staying at. And the text message said, hey, your last day is the 18th. And I said, cool. And in that moment, I could take stock of just how far I'd gone in life. And I knew what the ending of the story was. I knew how it was all going to play out. And I wished I could go back and tell that kid who didn't think he was going to pass basic training that he would pass, and he'd get to see the world, and he'd get to save lives, and meet unbelievable people, and see horrific things, and go through things that kept him up at night, and do things that he would be forever proud of, and he got to be a hero, he got to have an adventure, he got to have a life, And I went back to Camp Atterbury one last time in civilian clothes. And I picked up some paperwork. And I signed out and shook everyone's hand and said, thank you for helping me out during the med board process. And uh, I went to the USO one last time. And I kind of walked in and I just kind of looked around. And I soaked it all in. And I could see in my mind's eye all of the many hours Probably whole days I had spent there over the years as an E4, as an E5, by myself, with friends, with soldiers, working on CEUs for my medical certifications, getting out of the heat, just being a soldier. And then I looked around at all the new faces, the new soldiers that were there, and I didn't recognize any of them, but I felt like I knew all of them. Because I had been each and every one of them at some point or another with a... Myriad of experiences that I had in the military. I got to taste all of it. I got to taste every piece And I was full and I was so grateful And then the pandemic hit and It was early days of the pandemic in about April 2020. I had seen the movie Contagion years ago and remembered the scene when there were just piles of trash everywhere because all of the garbage collectors either wouldn't show up to work or got sick. And that was not a serious concern where I was at, but at the time, none of us really knew just how bad this thing was going to be so in my head i thought oh that's an example of a worst case scenario right we don't know how deep this rabbit hole is going to go so i need to make a plan based on that worst case scenario which boiled down to if we have to go as much as 30 days in between trash pickups how do i handle that which this situation never came to pass, you know, they suspended big trash pickup in our area, and somebody in charge was probably asking the same question, right? Like, how do we conserve resources if things get spread thin? But, so what I did was, well, I started composting, so I thought, oh, I can, a large percentage of our trash is uh, organic waste, it's vegetables, it's fruit, it's things that go into, it's coffee grounds, right, it's things that go into compost, so... If our trash started to pile up, that cuts a big portion of it out. And then I thought, oh, well, we could just save all of our cardboard boxes. We are kind of doing that. Anyway, we had cats, so I thought, oh, we can just save all of our plastic bags as litter bags, because who knows when we're getting more plastic bags again. And with recycling, what we've been doing, what you're really supposed to do is rewash the recyclables before. We put it in the recycling, right? Because if there's food particles in your recycling, then it contaminates a lot. I don't know the specifics of it. This is just what I read on the website. And with that, you know, like if you've got a bunch of like plastic takeout, whatever, then it's all washed. Well then, you know, I've got a basement. I could sit on it for a while. And then with all of this, it made me think, oh, this is how much trash is coming in through the house. Correspondingly, I thought, oh, if us, as a two person household, is generating this much trash, how much is everyone else generating? Answer is probably a lot. It was March of 2021 and I got the first dose of the COVID vaccine and as I happily drove to the VA to get it I turned on my phone hooked the Bluetooth up and played the song Home by the Foo Fighters and it reminded me of a time when I was in medic school listening to the CD wishing I was home and during the pandemic it felt like none of us were home like we were someplace else it felt like a deployment to be honest and as i drove to the hospital to get that first vaccine as the music played and the tears welled up in my eyes and i thought about how grateful i felt to be alive to be an american to be one of the lucky ones who got the vaccine and the millions who died that didn't get that chance And the music played in my thoughts and my memories as I walked around the hospital. And the joy that the song brought me, the sense of longing, the quest for peace, the stable memory of the before was all there. It was there for me my first time in medic school when I just wanted to go back home to the trailer park with my parents. It was there in Iraq. It was there in the pandemic because all we ever wanted was to be home. And that first dose of the vaccine was like coming home and I was so grateful.